Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Goal achievers and members of the Miracle Morning community. Hey, this is Hal Elrod, and welcome to the podcast. I am grateful that you are here. Quick disclaimer before we get started. Uh, I just realized as I was listening back to the episode I just recorded for you that my microphone was not turned on, and so you are going to get the computer audio, which usually doesn't sound nearly as good. So just, just a quick warning. Hopefully you can power through that. Today's guest is a good friend of mine, Preston Smiles, and I met Preston probably five, six years ago, maybe even seven years ago. We were both speaking at an event, and he was my favorite speaker there. He was the first time I had seen him, met him, heard of him, and uh, I was blown away. I was moved by his authenticity and his heart and his wisdom and his, his humor, all of it. And I approached him, I met him, I connected with him. I said, that's somebody that I I would love to be friends with. And uh, we've been friends ever since. And right now, what's going on in the world, there's a lot going on in the world. Last month, it was coronavirus. Now it's, you know, the the protests and the looting um, and all of the things around the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality and racism and white privilege, all of these kind of topics, which by the way, I know very little about. Well, I know a lot more now than I did a couple of weeks ago. In fact, I would say that right now, in from what I'm seeing in my lifetime, this is one of the most profound racial equality revolutions, you might say, in that I've never seen so many people of all races and all, all ages, including my 10-year-old daughter, Sophie, that are not just paying attention, but that are angry about how minorities, specifically black people, African-Americans are treated in our country. I've been really diving in and just asking questions, trying to learn, trying to understand, because from my place of white privilege, which I didn't even know what that meant until recently, I've never experienced racism firsthand. Definitely not to me as a recipient of racism, but I, I'm actually, my, I've been kind of sheltered. My life, I don't have relatives that I'm aware of that are really racist. I've never really seen it. It's never been part of my, of my world, of my life. And so as a human being, I believe that there's only one race. I really do believe that the human race, and I'm not saying I don't see different races, I'm saying though, but the human race, we're all one. I believe that we're all part of the human family. We're all brothers and sisters. And so as I started to see people like Preston speaking out on this topic or these topics, and other, not just Preston, but black individuals and white individuals and people of all races and colors and creeds. And I started paying attention and and asking a lot of questions as what's my responsibility here as a, not just a you know podcaster or author or influencer, but as a human being and as a father. And I started diving into, I just Googled things. I mean, I'm admittedly, I feel like a child when it comes to this topic. I Googled things like, how can white people learn about racism? You know, I I asked my friends, I I, I followed individuals like Preston trying to figure out what, how can I understand this better so that I can support the movement, not, not just the Black Lives Matter movement, and again, I'm still learning what all of that means. In fact, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to do this. I have my journal open right here. This is the journal entry that led to me asking Preston to be on my podcast. I'm just going to read this to you. This is, was written on Saturday, June 6, 2020. So about a week ago. And I said, I woke up feeling great today. I feel clear and happy. Thank God. I woke up at 5 a.m. Did a coffee enema, that's another topic, Uh, read and watched videos about anti-racism so that I can learn more and understand, not only for myself, but so that I can use my platform to take a stand and support the Black Lives Matter movement. Right now is a pivotal time in history. On May 25th, 2020, a 46-year-old black man, George Floyd, died after a police officer held him on the ground by forcing his knee into Floyd's neck. 
Since then, there have been protests and riots around not only the country, but the world. What seems to be different about this time more than any other that I've been aware of is that people of all colors are paying attention, speaking out, and uniting over the cause. I'm learning that racism isn't just hating other races. It's the fact that our society is set up in a way that people of color are treated unfairly, from being discriminated against in the workplace, to being excluded from white neighborhoods, to being physically harmed and even murdered by police. Black people do not have the same opportunities that white people do. And that is what it seems to be that white privilege means. So what can I do about it? First, continue learning and educating myself. Second, don't be silent. Use my platform to share what I'm learning and take a stand against racism. And third, connect with others, white and black, to discuss this and learn from each other. This morning, I texted Preston Smiles and invited him to come onto my podcast and talk about anti-racism or whatever it is that's on his heart. My mission in life is to elevate the consciousness of humanity, and this is a crucial time and topic to do exactly that. So Preston texted me back and said he would be happy to come onto the podcast. Now, today, what you're going to get from this I would imagine what I, what I feel like I got from this conversation with Preston, it wasn't just a talk about racism. Um, it was a talk, first of all, the first thing he shared, which was eye-opening for me to hear his perspective on this was the four levels of consciousness. So that's a very universally applicable topic. We did talk about racism. We talked about what it's been like for him to be black and having police hold a gun at his face, even though he wasn't committing a crime. And the conversation for me I think what you'll get the most is just like when I saw Preston speak the first time, I was a better human being after hearing and seeing and feeling and experiencing Preston smiles and the way that he shows up in the world. And before we start the podcast or I introduce you to Preston, I want to read something from his website. It says, hi, I am Preston smiles. I am a messenger of love sent here to remind us all that when we amplify our love, we automatically amplify our lives. I could list a bunch of things that would make me look important and successful, but what I want you to know about me is I truly care about people, our planet, and about maximizing my potential. I'm committed to knowing that when I leave this world, that my tank was empty because I gave all I had and then some in the name of love. So whether I'm speaking, leading workshops, writing books, or making conscious content through social media, it's all in the service of the same thing, love. And I think that's all you need to know about Preston Smiles. So it is an honor, it is a privilege to share this conversation that I had with Preston with you. And I hope you get as much value and that you walk away a better version of yourself than you are right now as a result of hearing Preston feeling Preston's love and experiencing all that he is and all that he has to offer. Preston smiles, my man. Ooh, ooh. What's it's up? Good to see you. you too, yeah. man. You it's, too. it's been a minute. It's been a while since we saw each other. You know, how's it going? How's life right now for you? How, how are you? How's life? I know you got a lot of major life. You just had twins. You guys are planning mm -hmm. a big move. What, uh, what, what's it like to be Preston Smiles right now? Yeah, man. It's, it's actually really interesting and beautiful uh, for a few reasons. Number one, uh, it's like this amazing paradox where I am simultaneously holding and knowing that all my needs are met and not just met, but beyond that, mm. while also understanding the gravity of what is currently happening on our planet and the necessary portal and opening that's here and being with from compassion, the suffering and pain that millions upon millions of people are experiencing, especially people of color. And so it's this interesting, beautiful, divine dichotomy where I'm sitting right in the middle with a smile on my heart, but also with my warrior in the space and the king and the lover all present at the same time saying, let's get this. Let me ask you, is that at times, is that easier 
said than done. Meaning is there certain times where, and, and even maybe a period when it was newer, all this stuff going on. Um, I'm just curious. Cause I know for me, I, I feel like I'm in that space right now, but there was, there was a few months where I was like, dude, the world's falling apart. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of things happening that at a high level of control, you know, government mm-hmm. or right. That, that like, can I really, affect, like I can do what I can do for my family, but some of the mm-hmm. things going down the pipe, can I, can I affect these? So, yeah. So, so for me, it's been kind of a, an up and down and trying to navigate my way to find that, that space that you just yeah. described. How's it been for you? It's been interesting because I have had moments of that, but for the most part, I trust in the participatory universe that we live in. I, I, I know that for me, and this is just my opinion, that God is one gigantic yes button and it's always saying yes. And so the same power that Hitler tapped into is the same power that Gandhi tapped into is the same power that Martin Luther King is the same power that any other person who's ever walked the face of this earth has tapped into. And so as long as I'm keeping my vibration high, and my intention and attention on what I actually seek to see and experience in this world, then I am participating, I am co-creating with the creator that which I would like to experience. And the first place it has to happen is inside me because there's only two games in the world. There's the outside in game and the inside out game. The outside in game is likes, followers, government, X, Y, and Z makes it to where I feel good. If you tell me I'm pretty, then I feel good. If you tell me I'm ugly, then I feel bad. That is a powerless type of living. And, and for me, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, and I have literally alarms that go off in my phone and I assign all my clients to do the same. I call them joy alarms and God goggles. So the joy alarms, the joy alarm goes off. You just, you lose it, right? Just reasonless joy. Sing, just feel it. Feel it, right? For the sake of it, because there's life, you know, and we're here and uh, the birds are still singing and the trees are still like, yes, there's a lot of uncertainty, but there's always been uncertainty. And, and how you can attest to this, because we're basically the same age, never in my life, my lifetime, have I experienced so much awareness around what's going on on our planet and the willingness to step forward, the courageousness that people are stepping forward with, like yourself, myself, people have a lot of opinions. And oftentimes, if you don't go with the herd mentality, uh, you can be shamed and things of that nature. And even, even down to, and I have no problems talking about this, not circumcising our son, not shooting him up with a bunch of vaccines that would not do anything until he even turned six months, um, and things of that nature, which really piss people off just the courageousness to say here i am it's okay you can see and you can ask me and we can have a conversation but i'm not going to make a a stupid choice i'm educated in my choices you know yeah and and, and you're entitled to your choices and to your opinion right but don't force them down my throat you know with your agenda or with hate yeah you know so i originally i texted you the other day right i you know I, i follow you on instagram i think uh I follow you and, and I've been watching a lot of what you've been talking about with racial injustice and, and racism and, mm-hmm. and Black Lives Matter and, and the George Floyd killing and, and, and the light that that shed on police mm-hmm. out in our country, all of the things. And, you know, I, um, I a lot of influencers, I talked to John Broman yesterday, uh, founder of Front Row Dads, which, by the way, I, I told him, I go, you, you should reach out to press and get him on the podcast. He's, he's a, you know, he's a, a multiple time award winning dad now for uh, a white, white influencers, right? That was, it was like a, uh, I, I care. I, I don't know what to say. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that I, not just for influence, I think that's for all of us. Right. It's like, uh, yeah. uh, should I say something? Should I post something? Should I, you know? And so I, I text you and I said, I said, I'd love to have Preston. I'd love to have you on. And, and, you know, someone that is smarter than me, someone that's lived as a, a black person in America to, mm-hmm. to give, you know, to share your knowledge, your wisdom, your voice with, you know, with my, my audience, my platform. Yeah. And I want to share with you this morning, I did something I've never done before. I'm usually very limited in my prep. I'm embarrassed to admit I'm limited in my prep for guests, right? I spend like mm-hmm. an hour right before prepping for the guests. And this yeah. morning I woke up, did my miracle morning at 5am, right when I sat down to meditate, like you entered my consciousness. And I went, mm. I'm going to dedicate my entire three hour miracle morning to Preston. Like, I'm just going to think about Preston. I'm going to pray about Preston. I'm going to meditate on Preston. I'm reading the book. If you're watching Love Louder, right? I got Preston's book off the shelf and started rereading that. 
Uh, you were on my walk this morning, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was listening to our friend JP Sears on the walk, talk about racial yeah. injustice. And so anyway, here's the point. What came up for me this morning is that who you are is so much more than those topics. And mm-hmm. I want to dive into those topics. I really do, because that was the, that was what prompted this conversation. But I think that what, what would be the highest value for, for me right? Selfishly. And for everybody listening to this is a, a glimpse into the heart, mind, and soul of Preston. Just, just to experience mm-hmm. how you think, how you feel, how you yeah. show up in the world. And if a little bit of that rubs off on us, right? I think that we'll all be uh, better human beings as a result. So yeah, man. Mm. So that's just what came up for me this morning. I'm like, all right, yeah, yes, I want to dive into these topics, but Preston's more than a topic or a handful yes. of topics, right? So yeah, I do believe you're a divine messenger. And uh, yeah, man. So so where this goes, I don't know. I don't know exactly where it would go. I got a few, a few thoughts and ideas and questions. But uh, um, let's start with what's on your heart right now, man. Let's, and then we can start with what's going on in the world and what you've been talking a lot about on yeah. social media. You've really been a leader and you've been courageous and you haven't been afraid to offend uh, to yeah. stand up for what you believe in. So whatever's on your heart, let's start there. As we know, uh, anybody who's ever had a plant medicine ceremony or a deep meditation <laughs> or yes, or, or got the Holy ghost or had Molly at a festival or whatever the case may be, wherever you are, if, for those of you who ever really dropped in, you know that there's only one of us here. You know that everything is touching everything and everything is informing everything. And, and so I want to start by breaking down the four levels of consciousness mm. because it's very important. Um, and it's, it's something that I'm consciously aware of daily. And so there's four levels of consciousness. The first level or stage would be uh, to me consciousness, where the world is happening to me. I'm, I'm, I'm at the effect of the world. It's the, it's the government. It's the black people. It's the Mexicans. It's the ball and chain. It's my wife. It's my husband. It's, all, it's always something over there happening to me. Right? This is, uh, call it first stage victim consciousness thinking. Okay. Second stage would be by me. This is the Gary V, Grant Cardone, hustle hard. I create my own reality. I will will this into existence consciousness. When, I'm, when, when one is operating from by me, they are clear that they can create their reality and they're going to make that happen. Okay. Everybody following so far? Third stage or level is through me consciousness. This is where we open up the channel, the space, and allow spirit, Buddha, Krishna, Jesus, Allah, whatever is most potent for you, to use you as a vessel for something greater than oneself. Fourth stage is as me consciousness. When we are in as me, this is when you, this is the Buddha nature, this is the Christ consciousness, this is the moment that the mushrooms, the Mali, the ayahuasca, the, the whatever it is hits and you realize there is only truly actually one and you have nothing to say and nothing to do because it's already done in the heart and mind of God. That, these are the four stages of consciousness. Now, from my experience, a large portion of the world is operating from stage one and stage two. Mainly stage one, all of us, all of us visit all of these at different points, sometimes throughout the day, sometimes throughout our lives. However, the vast majority of the people I come in contact, that I coach, that I support, that come into my containers, even if they're coaches, are operating unconsciously from to me consciousness, where where their power, their God is over there in the amount of likes or followers or the breast implants, or the boob, or anything. It's always over there. When I have that, then I'll be pretty enough. When I have the car, then I'll be good enough. I'm a victim to not having enough money, enough fame, enough X, Y, and Z. Now, then there's this point where people realize that our thoughts become things and we create our reality, and we go into this by me consciousness where we're hustling and we're trying to get things, but we're still slaves in that mentality because we think the things that we're gonna get will fulfill us. And I'm adding myself in this conversation because I get roped into this every once in a while. Sure. For me, just giving you sort of like a window into my world, like I, I don't quote unquote prep for anything because my whole life is a preparation, right? I do this all day, every day. I have no other job other than to pull apart 
the magic that is me and also look at the human condition and nature and allow it to inform how I experience the, this beautiful miracle called life. And so that threw me consciousness, which is what I'm truly aiming for. And I tell my coaches, because I also coach coaches, high intention, low attachment. We enter the space with a high intention and a low attachment. And I, anything I tell them, I'm saying for myself as well. And so I, I move about my world daily saying, how can I be used? Spirit, use me to remind somebody of who they really are. Spirit, use me to tap somebody on the shoulder and, and give them that extra push. Spirit, use me to trigger somebody to have them rethink and have to look at their own stuff and question some of the things that they have taken as a of course, right? Because the power is in the question. Quest, we're going to quest to unearth some of the social and historical programming that each of us has received. Now, I'm just going to dive over here really quickly, and then I'm going to let you in. I swear I am. No, I love it. Keep going. Four aspects to what it means to be human. We are biological. We are linguistic beings, which means we build worlds with our language. We need distinctions to understand the world. Third aspect of what it means to be human is we are social and historical beings, which means we were born into beliefs and interpretations. If my mother and father said that money is the root of all evil, I was born into that belief and interpretation. And more than likely, because my nervous system was forming from zero to nine, I will inherit that. I will think like them, walk like them, talk like them, and therefore get the same diseases, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I will, if they are Republican, I am Republican. If they are Democrat, I am Democrat. If they are Christian, I am Christian. All of this uh, goes sort of unchecked for many people. And so fourth level is we are quantum beings, which... We'll get into that later. But the social and historical programming, this ties to what's happening in our world right now. I mentioned in one of my videos, which beautifully went viral a couple of weeks ago, that there's a doll test. Are you familiar with the doll test? I watched that video this morning and yeah, I'm familiar, yeah. But, but talk about yeah. it. In the 1940s, they did a test because they knew, it's hard not to know, but they did a test called the doll test where they, they took little children from different ages and uh, backgrounds and all of the above. And they put them in front of two dolls and they asked them a series of questions. And they did this in the 1940s and they did this in the 2000s. They did it in 2013, 2015 and 2016. And people have just kept doing this test just to see. And so 1940s, they sat these children in front and they said, which one is the pretty doll? And no matter if the kid was black or white or Mexican or anything, they always said that the white doll the blonde-haired, blue-eyed doll was the pretty doll. And they say, okay, which doll is the ugly doll? And across the board, they chose the black doll. Which doll is the good doll? Across the board, they chose the white doll. Which do doll is the bad doll? Across the board, they choose the black doll. Now, this is 1940s and 2014, right? Just nothing changed from the 1940s to here. And we have to ask ourselves, why? Where have we been socially and historically programmed to believe that white is better, is pretty, is good, is all of those things, and black is bad and dirty and ugly and rapist and killer and drug addict and all of those things. And I you know, have been speaking about this for many years. I've said this on stages. I've said this a million places. I know that underneath all of this, underneath gay a straight, white, black, Christian, Muslim, underneath all of it, there was only one truth, which is love. I know that. And I incarnated as this Afro-amazing, beautiful human with this sexy, dark chocolate skin. <laughs> and <laughs> a part of that has given me the opportunity. I'm a millionaire. And in my own neighborhood, pre-COVID-19, people cross the street when they see me. In my own neighborhood, people clench up when I get in the elevator. In my own neighborhood, and this has been happening for years, I've been called a monkey and a nigger probably over 60 to 70 times. These are things I don't necessarily fully talk about. I've been chased down. I've been kicked by the police at 12 years old with a gun to my face. And that's just the top layer. It doesn't help us understand that everything we've ever seen, and I, I want to know from you, what were your childhood favorite cartoons and characters uh, I honestly don't remember. Oh, uh, He-Man? He-Man. I remember He-Man. That was a big one. Same. 
Yeah, Same. nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, Power of Grey Skull. So He Man was one, and then uh-huh. uh, who else? Um, I mean, I went into Ninja Turtles when I was a little bit older. So that was, those are the green skin. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I honestly, I, I can't remember all of them. So He Man was one for me. Yeah. GI Joe's, Santa Claus, the fake Jesus that's painted everywhere. Yeah. Every movie, Dirty Harry, every Western, every Gilligan's Island, everything that has ever been good. If you really peel the onion back and I'm just going to tell you a brief story so you guys understand like the, how, how long this has been happening. Previous to this career, I was a model and an actor. And this had happened to me so many times. And I, I sort of knew it was coming, but I was hoping that it wasn't. And I was doing a job, and this may get me in trouble later, but I got to tell the truth. Uh, I was doing a job for Target to be one of those guys on a big poster in Target, right? And we were in the desert, and they hired me, token black guy, an Asian girl, five white people, men and women, and a Hispanic girl. And we're all messing around. We're all young. Uh, I believe I was like 25, 26. We're running around doing the thing in the desert. And this particular blonde, blue-haired, white girl kept like being in my space. Now, maybe she had a crush on me, whatever it was, but we kept like laughing and like arms over and they kept taking the picture. Ching, 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 ching. All right, guys, we're going to do the thing. And in my mind, I was going, okay, this, is, this has happened before. I know what probably is going to happen, but hopefully not. Because the white guy always has to be the hero. I already knew that because every movie I've ever seen, every TV show, unless it's an all-black TV show, the black guy is the stupid, the, rape, the rapist, the bad guy, the drug dealer, the X, Y, and Z. It's just like textbook. Just think about every movie or TV show you've ever seen. Why is it set up that way? Same way that, that Asians are portrayed. Same way that women are portrayed. It's a very particular institutional system that is embedded into everything that we see and experience. And so I'm going to end this story and then just open the space and see what wants to come through. But I see the client say to the photographer, hey, stop for a second. So they call the photographer over and everybody else is young and innocent and just 25, 26 talking, laughing. And I'm looking over my shoulder because I, I can see it. I can feel it. So the client calls the photographer over. They whisper a little bit. They look up over at me. I look, put my head down like I'm not looking. And then the photographer comes back and he says, hey, um, Preston, come here. I said, yeah, sure. All right, no, it's coming. Hey, man, um, how about you just, you just don't touch Haley at all? Like, just don't even be, like, around her. Uh, we're going to have you, like, you know, like, on the outside over there. Is that cool, man? Like, it's all good, bro. Just, just like, hang maybe more around, like, uh, the Hispanic girl. I forget her name. And just stay on the edge. Cool, man. Thanks. Now, this may seem like nothing to anybody, but this is a humiliating experience. And it is one of hundreds that have happened throughout my life that remind me that I'm not seen as an equal. And I get it, everybody has a bottom line and Target wanted to make sure that their racist customers still walked in the store. But that's a part of what we as people of color are asking of those who happen to be Caucasian and own businesses and et cetera, et cetera, is to look at your own biases and and be brave enough to have those who hate us come out of the woodworks and be mad at you for a second instead of you acquiescing like Target did in that moment to make sure that they kept their bottom line the right way. That scenario has happened hundreds of times for me. Preston, let me ask you, in terms of, you know, one of the things that's come up a lot recently is the difference between I'm not racist mm-hmm. and anti-racism, yep. right? And, and for me, you know, I think that I often, I don't, I don't get engaged in a lot of really controversial stuff. I just kind of, I'm like, eh, you know, I'm not, I'm like, I, if I'm not part of the problem, at least that's my thought. And I think it's for a lot of us, right? It's like, I'm not, I'm not racist. I'm cool. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I don't have to like, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to have a, I don't need to have a come to Jesus moment. Cause I'm, I'm like, I'm cool. And then I've heard that that's not enough, that it's anti-racism that, that like, that is needed right now. And, and the way that I kind of, in my head, I was like, well, what's a, What's like an analogy that I could that I could draw? And I thought, well, like if it was bully, 
right? If you go, well, I don't bully kids, so I'm cool. It's like, well, no, 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 but kids are getting bullied, bro. <laughs> like, yes. they're yes. getting bullied. Like, you can't just be like, well, I don't bully kids. It's, it's like, you, we have to all be anti-bullying, right? Yes. So that was for me, like, that's how I kind of made sense of it in my mind. But if you could t- speak on that, just what is, what, why is I'm not racist not enough, if, if that's the case? And, yeah. and what is anti-racism? And, and what does that look like for, you know, for people that don't consider themselves racist, but need to really step up a little more to support? Yeah, I, I don't even necessarily like the word anti. I, I, yeah. I lean towards pro-education and pro-courage, mm. pro-humanity. Well, yeah. What we're really asking is for you to be human enough that when your friend or your uncle does that thing or says that sexist or racist joke, that you're human enough to say that that doesn't work here. Because what happens is away with a lot of stuff and they say, well, you know, it's not me. It's not my issue. I use the example... And I want to put this in the space because a lot of people are like, oh, racism doesn't still exist. And I just want to sort of like add something to the space. If Jews were living in Germany and the Holocaust ended, but for years and years, there was this this seething, unconscious, deep hatred for Jewish people inside of the country called Germany. Just because the Holocaust ended didn't mean that they didn't try to find new ways or laws or things and ways in which they could keep the same thing going. And so when black people are saying, just hear us, because what, what we hear, and one of the reasons why you I'm vocal, but I haven't been extremely vocal, is because all, what we hear is, oh, you're pulling the black card again. And they go and they pull these statistics as if stats can't be lied Sure. Or, or skewed to fit a narrative, right? And, and there's, there's a larger game happening here. And I, I talked about this the other day with my wife, and I was saying how when the Me Too movement came forward, it wasn't enough to just say, well, I didn't do anything to any women, so it's not my problem. Where the Me Too movement messed up, in my opinion, is they made it about a couple men and not about a system, not about a paradigm that makes that okay Mm. where the boys club and the rape culture sort of mentality is okay we got weinstein we got epstein done we got cosby done no not done and that's what we're saying here this isn't about just a couple bad cops this is about an entire like literally an entire setup that is supposed to be this way it's not like oh it accidentally just happened This is exactly how it was designed across the board. And my request of anybody who happens to be Caucasian is just be courageous enough to be human and think about if it were your kids or if it were you. And, you know, I was teaching yesterday on a live about the distinction between first thought and the 13th thought. Our first thought is usually the truest. You know, I've, I've been places and seen somebody crying. And my first thought was, wow, go give them a hug or ask them if they're okay. By the time I got to the seventh thought, it was like, ah, but they don't know you. And what if they're scared of you and X, Y, and Z, and you don't want to bother them. And oh, X, uh, and I at by that time, nothing is said. Yeah. And I leave. So the first thought, if, if your first thought was, wow, this is happening again, there's got to be something to it. And then somebody handed you a video from a black woman They told you, oh, it's okay. Be complacent. Don't worry about it. Ask yourself, did my heart really feel that way? And which one do I want to listen to? Somebody who's paid by people to parrot certain narratives or what's actually present on my heart? Because this is a humanitarian issue, in my opinion. It is. And it's something you said when you said the first thought, what came up for me right there is a child's first thought isn't racism. A child's no. first thought is, look at this other human that's loving me. I don't know what color they are. I don't know what gender they are. I don't know what sexuality they are. I, don't, they're just, I just feel the love, right? Yeah. And that's been your message for over a decade, right? It's just is love, yeah. right? I mean, it's just love. That's it. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's the fundamental. That's what matters in life. My daughter, um, we had this conversation with her, which again, it's like, well, how do I bring this to my kids? You know, and at dinner uh, about a week ago, we, we, we talked about what was going on in the country right now. And uh, and about racism and, and what it was. And my daughter, who's 10, my son is seven. He was just kind of oblivious. My, my daughter's 10. And she goes, 
She's like, well, that's wrong. Like all people are equal. Like why would that, why would that even matter? Like she didn't even comprehend, like, I don't under, how could you hate someone because they were born as they were born a different, like it doesn't even make, and that's like, it doesn't make sense. So she goes, she's like, what can I do? Like, what can I do to help? And I said, sweetheart, it's a great question. I said, I would love, I don't know if this was laziness or, or, or empowerment, but I said, I would love for you to go research it yes. and come back to us and tell us what you find. And like 30 minutes later, I went into her bedroom. I didn't, I didn't even know. I thought, I figured she'd be reading a comic. And on her whiteboard, it said at the top, Black Lives Matter. It said racism, and she had written the definition of racism. And then on the right, it said, what can I do to help? And it said, talk to my friends and get them involved. Donate moolah, moolah, donate moolah to, to causes. Learn more about this. And then at the bottom, she wrote, like, she, she drew, like, three fists in the air, and it said, every life is equal no matter what. Like, this yes. was unprompted. I'm like... Yes. You just did this in the last 30 minutes since we had dinner, you know? Yes. And, and what that did, a couple things. Number one, of course, I was proud of my baby, you know, but there were a couple things that came up for me. Number one is that, yeah, racism is taught, right? So you think about it. So therefore, it is not real. It is, meaning it's very real. Don't get me wrong, but, yes. but it is not inherent. It's a you virus know? of the mind. It's a virus. What's inherent is love and acceptance and connection. There's one race, as we, human race, that's it. That's it. There's only one. And, um, and it also was empowering uh, for me as, you know, I wrote a post about it. I said, I, I have hope that, especially with what's going on with this George Floyd death cause, this racial revolution where people are, I've never seen people so woken up about this and, and, and yeah. of all races. And, and it made, gave me hope thinking that, man, because racism is taught and because someone like my daughter doesn't even get, like, doesn't even understand it. I, I could, I, I literally could see one day in the future, mm -hmm. I don't know how long, but where we look back at this primitive society that we're in right yes. now, we are a primitive society. We're a bunch of babies uh, on the, on the, on the scale of evolution. And I thought we're looking back and going, man, remember when we were, we were racist? Like, you know, like looking back, I could see an end to it. And I looked at being gay right now. Yes. You know, we were, my daughter and I were, what were we watching? We were watching a show. Oh, it was, uh, it's this show on Netflix called The Flower Fight, where they make these flower sculptures. But, but uh, a few of the characters are gay, you know, and this, these, two, these two men um, are, you know, a partners and this and that. And I said, sweetheart, when I was a kid, you would have never seen that on TV. And now it's very much accepted as part of our culture. And so anyway, that, that's my optimism and hope for racial equality. And, and I, you know, that, it, that it, I think we're heading in the right direction. And so thousand percent. Yeah. And, and what's cool about you and so many other parents like you is you've woken up to the subtle tricks and ways that we've been sort of lied to, right? When I think about even, uh, and I don't know if you got taught this song, but in 1492, Columbus of the ocean blue, yeah, right? Sure. That, that, hey, this is deep programming, without sharing that there were Native Americans already there, that they gave them blankets and things to kill them, that there's a paragraph about slavery, like all of this, the history is being written in a very particular direction and they're trying to create robots in, these, in the schooling system. And what's beautiful is that there's a lot of parents who know that and are helping them unlearn and relearn what's true. And I, I'm really proud of you, man. Like, thank you for that. That means a lot because truthfully, one, I do all of this for my kids, right? Because I want them to live in a world, I'm committed to them living in a world where they don't have to have the same experiences that I have. Mm. And, and that we don't even need to be in these kind of conversations because there's a bigger conversation at hand, which is how can we serve each other, period, and have fun doing it. But what's going to make this world like that is parents like yourself and parents like myself saying, okay, I can't get to every kid, but the ones I can get to can get to their friends and their friends can get to their friends and their friends can get their, their friends. And all it's going to do is just ripple out and have this beautiful effect where we, we stop allowing ourselves to be bamboozled, right? That thing about gays on the, on TV. Absolutely, bro. That is, I, I never saw anything like it. And the way that gay people were held and seen, like, don't be a faggot. Like, all of that sort of, like, weak, macho stuff is crumbling. 
and it's all connected. This is why I told some of my white friends the other day, I'm like, you know how women don't have equal pay? Yeah. You know how there's uh, all of this sort of uproar about gays and trans and all of these things? You know how the top 1% own kind of everything in the world? It's all connected. You know how a dude like Jeffrey Epstein could have sex and hurt like probably over 100 women and get away with it? That's connected to the same system that we're talking about reworking on. Right? So this isn't just about like systemic racism. It's all the same thing that we get to have a new look at and a new thought about and, and vote and change and transform from the inside out. Yeah, when you say it's part of a big system, I mean, I could, uh, you know, one way to, a simple way I would say that is it's, it's a small group of people that are, have been pushing their values called, you know, the Rockefellers, the Carnegie, yeah. right, for a long, long, long time, you know, yeah. and, and they've shaped the entire, they shaped the education system, they, right? Yeah. It was all founded by, by those few wealthy families, that top 1%, and then we're yeah. living in the world that, that they created. Um, yes. Yeah, and, and, and what's interesting is it's hard for people for some reason, I think that the majority of society, we don't think people in power, people that we've elected would be corrupt, even though we see it all the time, right? We're like, they're looking out, the government's looking out for us. I've been, right, you talk about it. I've been pledging allegiance, yeah. right, to, to these, right, you know, I mean, but they're all, like John Broman says, he's like, dude, they're just human beings. And they all yes. have their, their own faults and flaws and biases. And a lot of them are prejudiced and racist and sexist. And, and they yeah. just got elected to power. It doesn't, yeah. you know what I mean? So... Um, one of the things you, you mentioned earlier, and I forgot what it was, but it sparked a thought. I like I kept hearing systemic racism, and mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't get it. You know, I'm uneducated. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. One of the the resources, a buddy of mine, Mike McCarthy, he said you've got to watch this film Thirteenth on Netflix. Yes. And have you have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. For anybody listening to this, I posted this the other day online. Watch that film Thirteenth, and what you see is. Well, I remember what you said. You talked about if Nazi Germany, if, if you know, ended, but there's still going to be a deep-seated, the core of the majority of people still hate the Jews, right? Well, in 13th, what you saw, for me, what was like eye-opening is that when slavery ended, there was still these racists, the majority was still like, whoa, well, what do we do now? We yep. can't enslave. And then they're like, oh, in the 13th Amendment, there's a loophole. It says that you can't enslave someone unless they are a criminal. Yes. So if we criminalize the black people, now we get to enslave them. And that's why you saw these African-American, you know, males in jail with the chains on their ankles. Right. Just doing the work, just plowing the fields. Right. Because there was that loophole. And so, yeah, that was an eye opening. And you just see how we're still in it. You know, we we, we have 100 percent what was created a long time ago. And is it getting better? Yeah, it's infinitely better, I would imagine. Right. But better. You know, if you if you only beat one of your kids, you know, that that's not okay, right? You got to beat none of the kids, you know? So, man, beautiful. All right. So uh, where do we go from here, man? Where do we go from here? What, uh, what, what anything else that you want to share before we wrap up? You know how I just want to remind us that spirit, law, God, Jesus, whatever name, source, whatever name you have for it can only do for us what it can do through us. And so I want to remind each and every one of us that uh, the most important thing that we could ever focus on is cleaning up our own consciousness and, and having an open heart, stepping back in the room. I know that we're in a time where there's a lot to hold and be with and it feels heavy and interesting, but it's not the load that breaks us down, but the way we carry it. And if you carry the load different, AKA you keep your consciousness and your conversation upstairs and you do not if you enter the addict and 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 those places you keep walking back upstairs you keep your 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 vibration high and your heart open and you know i'm i've been married for almost four years now and we've been, been together for seven years and one of my promises to her and to myself is to keep stepping back in the room and not just physically but emotionally because there's, there's these moments where I want to I want to disconnect. I want to pull away. It's too much. It's too heavy. Oh, this is too much. And I just keep re-entering the room with my heart open. And that is my challenge to each and every one of us. If we're doing that, 
a lot will transform over the next five to 10 years. And that will be the, the catalyst for the world that we all know is possible. We ask for this. A lot of us ask for a big life. And when you ask for a big life, you're going to have big challenges. And so God is always saying yes. And um, make sure that that yes is from love. Be, be the change, right? Be the change. Yes, sir. Beautiful. Well, Preston, man, I, uh, I love, I wouldn't even mention that you're moving to Austin, Texas. We're going to be neighbors uh, yeah, yeah. in a few months, man. I am so pumped about that. And I was showing, uh, I was showing the video of you and the twins uh, to my wife and kid, or most of well, my wife and then my kids. And I said, you guys, I said, this is my friend Preston and his kids. They're moving to Austin. These are going to be your new friends, you know? So yes, yes. They're like, oh, they're so cute. Yeah. How yeah, old yeah. are you got, you got three, you got one boy and the, or two boys. Uh, but the most recent is twins, boy and a girl, right? So how old are your kids? Yes. They are three months now and we have a two, two-year-old. But They're I all born. You. I've always said, as much as I love, I love children, I, th- I thought twins would be the hardest thing <laughs> in the it world. Is. It is. Because having it one is. baby is like crazy. Having two at the same time, like I can't even Bro. It's absolutely nuts. It's pure chaos. And we went, you know, we were already, you know, pretty good parents. But it's, t- it's gone to a whole nother level because we have no other choice. Yeah, Alexi and I have figured out <laughs> with our first kid that it takes a village. Going back and forth to Tanzania, Africa, and building clean water wells and seeing how they do it uh, in the cities and in the bush, that, that they have the entire family and friends involved so that they aren't as holding as much because there's wisdom to be learned from each person in the village. And so we have gotten smart enough to bring in my mom and we have a nanny who's quarantining with us but from her house and uh two different babysitters so we have a team of people helping us do this but it's it's a lot bro it is a lot yeah 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 my my uh, my best friend one of my best friends matt recor has twins and you know so i get i get the inside scoop from him and same thing man he's like thank goodness i've worked hard because we need the nannies that we have, you know, like we, we, it would be really hard. So for those that are doing it without that help, oh man, that, that's where, that's where doubling down on your self-care as important it is for all of us. It's like, you've got to quadruple down, <laughs> you know, yeah. take care of yourself so you can take care of other people. So well, Preston, man, I love you. It's been, it's been awesome to have you on. I'm so glad we connected. And uh, until next time, I'll see you soon, brother. Absolutely. Much love, brother. Hey, it's Hal, and I just finished my conversation with Preston Smiles. I hope you got as much value out of that as I did. And as I mentioned in the beginning, I think the biggest value is just Preston himself. And as an individual, as a human being, someone who really, he stands for what he believes in and and does so from a place of love and compassion and and courage. Uh, Not divisiveness, but inclusivity. Uh, Not hate, but again, love. And I think that that, more than maybe anything is something that for all of us to embody more of that spirit in our own lives. You know, I see so much divisiveness online and on the news. Uh, It's, you know, we're right, you're wrong. This party's right, that party's wrong. Our religion's right, your religion is wrong. And, um, you know, I think probably we're all wrong. And we're also, there's little truth in everything that each person believes. And to me, it's about coming from a place of not trying to take one side or the other, but coming from the side of love, which is incorporates all sides and, and all people and all races and all genders and all sexual preferences and all of the above. In terms of this issue of racism and racial inequality, I've, I've been learning. I think that's the place to start is just listening, really caring enough about our fellow human beings to listen and to learn. And while there's infinite topics that this applies to, right, this is one of them. And this is one that I think right now it needs attention because without attention, it just keeps getting swept under the rug and things don't change. And I'll share a resource with you that uh, was shared with me actually by Preston's wife. Uh, She posted this on her Instagram channel, Alexi Panos, if you want to follow her, A-L-E-X-I-P-A-N-O-S and very similar to Preston. Alexi is just a beautiful soul who stands for what she believes in. And she shared a link, antiracismforbeginners.com. If you want to grab a pen and write that down or type it into your phone or computer, again, it's antiracismforbeginners.com. And as I mentioned, you know, I'm a beginner in this. I haven't 
experienced um, what it is like to be black. And as I learn more about this, I'm, I'm just horrified at, at what uh, has gone on that I was unaware of. And yesterday I was watching a, a short uh, documentary on YouTube and it's by Vox. It's when white supremacists overthrew a government. And it tells the story of Wilmington, North Carolina. In 1898, African-Americans had actually taken quite a few seats in their government and were gaining, you know, power, if you will, and influence uh, for the African-American community. And the white uh, individuals did not like that. And a mob of 2,000 white men expelled black and white political leaders, those that were supporting the blacks. They destroyed the property of the city's black residents and killed dozens, if not hundreds, of people. And that changed the course of the city. And, uh, you know, that's just one of so many stories. I mentioned the, uh, the documentary 13th, which is about the 13th Amendment and the loophole that is in it that says slavery is not legal unless someone is a criminal. So if you or find a charge to arrest them on, now you can uh, enslave them. And so anyway, this resource and many others go to antiracismforbeginners.com if you care to learn more about this. And I think, like I said, that's, you know, I don't have all the answers for sure on how to, how we can change all of this. Uh, but I do think we're headed in a positive direction and I'm definitely optimistic. And uh, I hope you are too. And uh, I, you know, for me, it's, I want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And one thing that I have learned is that silence by default makes us a part of the problem, right? If someone hurts another person and you just don't say anything and you stand back and allow it to happen without sharing your voice at all, standing up for what's right at all, then we are a part of the problem. So I am committed to continuing to learn and understand and listen and be a part of the solution rather than a part of the problem. And I hope you are too. So I love you guys and gals. Thank you so much for listening and again this week. And uh, I will talk to y'all next week. Take care. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 